Hey everyone, welcome back to the Last Word on Sense podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger here with episode 59. It's been a couple weeks since the trade deadline deadline happened. Now, uh, recorded last on March 3rd, and it was pretty positive vibes. Uh, obviously, we will get to it in a second. Uh, vibes have maybe changed a little bit then, but to help me break everything down, make his I believe his podcast debut. It is Nick Dumoulin. Nick, thank you so much for joining me. How's it going today, man? Hey, it's going great. Thanks for thanks for having me. Um, yeah, been a, been a while since I've been on a podcast, but obviously, uh, good to be back and and good to talk to you. So, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. And uh, obviously, I know. I think in we were just kind of talking before we started recording, and in Sensland, it's maybe. Maybe not going so good. Uh, you know, as, as I mentioned last time, I recorded was March 3rd. Uh, when I recorded that, they were fresh off the trade deadline. Massive deadline pickup in Jacob Chitrin, who helped them beat the New York Rangers 5-3, to three, which extended their winning streak to four games. And, you know, they had, uh, I think it was 5-7, and seven, something like that. Um, they were just on a roll. They continue to win with uh, the Blue Jackets on March 4th. And then things kind of go awry. They get absolutely pumped by the Chicago Blackhawks, 5-0 in Chicago. Bounce back with a crazy 5-4 win against Seattle, but then lose 5-2 against Vancouver in a game they were never really in. 5-1 against Calgary in a game they were never in. 6-3 against Edmonton in a game they were more in, but at times it felt like they were never in. And 5-4 against Colorado in a game that they... uh, they were in at times again, but even that Colorado took a two nothing lead early and they, they were fighting for mine all night. And then uh, they finished it off with a shootout loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, knocking in Canada. Um, that was a game they definitely deserved two points from. Um, that was maybe, maybe one of the only one. I mean, I, I think you could argue they deserved a point maybe from Colorado as well. Um, but I, I think it's yeah. fair to say their Western road trip was very disappointing to say the least. Oh man, definitely. I mean, it all starts after pumping Detroit, you know, uh, we, we, you know, we embarrass that team. And then after that, we go on a, on a run of embarrassment as well. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't understand what really happened there. Um, you know, I like to think they're pretty good on the road anyway, but I guess that, that road trip was, was like you said, it was disastrous. So, um, I don't know being embarrassed five, nothing by Chicago just to start off with it. I mean, uh, that that was pretty bad, and um, I mean, there there were some some points stolen from us. I mean, we 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 talked about earlier about the Colorado icing call, um, and, and yesterday against Toronto too. I, I thought there were some some questionable calls there. So um, yeah, I just I just it's it's it, it sucks to see. I mean, but um, we are suffering injuries, and and Sogard is our is our number one goalie, right? So um, kind of saw this coming, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. one of those things where I was just about to bring it up, and one of the things that definitely didn't help the start of the road trip was losing the Sens undisputed now starting goalie now that Forsberg's down in Cam Talbot um, right before, you know, like hours before the Blackhawks game. So you get Mad Sogard that goes in there, and he wasn't really prepping to be the starter. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think you can use it as a, as a reason that uh, they didn't play well, but the whole team didn't play well in, in front of Sogard either. And Sogard didn't have a good, well, I shouldn't say that they, they played okay, but Sogard had a, a miserable first, first period. And then the team just shut down in front of them. Like the amount of two on ones and three on twos and stuff I saw in that Blackhawks game was just absolutely absurd. So, um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, obviously Cam Delvin going down, uh, hurts this team. You, you'd rather Talbot playing than not, um, mm-hmm. but it, to just completely, 
put in some of those efforts, especially defensively uh, for this team is what I was really disappointed to see. And I know this, this team's been going through it with injuries all year. You know, obviously Norris hasn't been there all year, but like, man, you just go and make your big deadline acquisition and Jacob Chitron and, and we'll get to him in a second for sure as well. But it's just, it's one of those things where it's frustrating because it hasn't just been goaltending, letting them down. Um, you know, obviously goaltending has been, I don't know if issue is the right word, but definitely a concern as it as it's going to be when you have two guys who prior to this year had three NHL games of experience or whatever playing in that. Like, of course, yeah, you're going to get some shaky goaltending some night, some nights, you know, and, and they haven't let up less than four in a game since Cam Talbot went down. So, um, you yeah. know, that's a, a little concerning and it's always <laughs> going to be hard to win like that. But truth be told, you know, I haven't got to watch every goal on every night, but as much as it is goaltending, I think it's just bad defensive play right now too, which is even more concerning because they have a fully healthy defensive core right now. Yeah. And, and how often do you get to say that? Right. I mean, normally you always see some, some banged up players back there. Um, But yeah, I mean, we, we all, you know, even fans, I mean, we, when you talk about like lineup mock uh, mock-ups, we, we have this decor that's currently playing um, penciled in on every, you know, um, mock-up that, that we do. Um, and and still we have these these issues going on. Um, I mean, you've seen Chickman come in, and he's you know he's he's got a very active stick. I find he's he's pretty good defensively, um, but the issues. I mean, as you as you said, um, and they're still taking place back there. And I don't know if it's a, a systemic issue or um, if the if the guys are just not gelling or whatever it is. I mean, it's it's clear that our defensive side to to the game has been struggling, um, and and more than than. Just this past year, I mean, we've seen this for three, four years now under DJ Smith, and I think it's just it's, it's just reached a point where, um, at this point, with the players that we have, there is no excuse, and there is no um, there's we can't afford to have um, bad defense at this point. Um, so yeah, I I don't know what they'll they'll do, but I mean, just just having the players that we have, especially you know guys like Brandstrom who are pretty good defensively probably better than you'd expect and, and and he's not drawing in every night he's being scratched for for a guy like Holden or or Hamannick. I mean those are just questionable questionable decisions I think that are certainly not helping our case too yeah exactly and I mean you, we pick up Jacob Chitron and he gets stapled on the third lot third pair for a little while and, yeah and, like I get the reasoning of like I we want to but like this is not a complicated defensive system, you know, yeah. like I, I, I get the reason you want to ease him in, but like, this is a dude who's been playing top pair minutes for five years now. I'm pretty yeah. sure he can understand the Ottawa Senators defensive system because it is not very complicated. So it, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things where he just draws in, as you say, him coming in means Branstrom out instead of like Holden, who he's fine, but like, he's not Eric Branstrom. Eric Branstrom's upside is way higher and, and his floor is yeah. not even that much lower. And same with, yeah, Travis Hamnick, the, the discord around him again is just like, I, I don't know, man. Like I'm, <laughs> I'll fully admit, like I'm a big analytics guy. And, and honestly, Travis Hamannick has surprised me this year in terms of, I really thought he was going to be Nikita Zaitsev level, like below replacement level, because that's what oh, yeah. his stats have suggested for the past three years. Mm-hmm. He has not been that. Let's be clear. He, he's been a replacement level NHL defenseman, which is fine. And there's yeah. some value in that. 
But I'm already seeing people say, let's run the same six defensemen back next year. I'm like, guys, we can shoot so much higher than Travis Hanek. <laughs> like, if he's your seventh D, sure, come and play on league men or whatever. Sure, whatever. I, I guess that's fine. But, like, we don't have to just pencil him in as a guy who's like, well, he'll play third pair. It's like, what gives you faith that DJ Smith, given all we have seen for the past five years on how he's used Hamanek, Ron Hainsey, Nikita Zaitsev, um, Johnny Odu, I don't even know if Odu is a DJ Smith guy, but you know, you, you go down the line. What Eric Goodbranson, that's another one. Yeah. What makes you think that Travis Hamanick is suddenly gonna magically play only third pair minutes next year? Because I don't see it. Yeah, no, uh, I I don't see it either. I mean, common theme suggests that he he will play him with Sanderson moving forward, and that's probably a big reason or a large part why why Hamannick has been good this year. I mean, Sanderson has has been very responsible as a as a D partner, probably more so, you know, for for Hamannick to kind of be offensive, and that's why he's got the points that he's got. Um, but again, and it, it doesn't necessarily mean he should be in that position, and I I don't think he should. I mean. Um, you've got guys like Clevin, even JBD and Thompson knocking on the door. Are they are they the guys you want in that position? I don't know. Are they ready for it? I don't know. But those are guys you you, you hope to see um, get some ice time over a guy like Holden and Hamnick next season. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I don't know what what the plan is with him. But um, if if we're talking to Brinkett as well, if if you're gonna sign him to eight nine million, I mean, then then the whole the whole possibilities about. Uh, uh, well, I mean, we only have like three D's signed if, in that case, right? Next year, I believe. So you've you've got to you've got to find uh, three other defensemen, and you can't you can't sign Travis Hamnick for for more than league minimum. I would I would I would think anyway. So um, he'll probably be gone, I think, and and Holden as well. But um, yeah, so I don't know what the plan is, but certainly the the six defensemen we have right now are either not being utilized properly, or they're just not it. So. But yeah, I don't trust DJ to be to find a solution for it either. No, I and like I, I think DJ's done a fine job motivating young guys. You know, yeah. I, I think one of the things he really did well was during the rebuild keep a positive attitude or a positive energy around the team. You know, like yeah. how, how many other teams have we seen around the league where they're losing three, four years in a row and it's just miserable? You know, Jack Eichel asking out in Buffalo is is a great example. I think yeah, you know, that we we have not heard anything like that in Ottawa, and I give DJ props for that. But yeah, like. I think it's just kind of accepted he's not the guy going forward, at which point, like, how much more time are we going to waste on this, you know? And, and, like, I was fine. Like, I understand you're not going to fire him when the team's winning six in a row or whatever and and push him towards the playoffs. And, and I don't expect them to fire him between now and the end of the season. But, like, at some point, it's got to be a little more than just vibes or whatever. You know, I get the vibes are good on this team and, and you know, everyone loves each other and everything, but at some point you got to make some tough decisions to actually bring in good players, whether you like them as much as or not, as you know, a guy like Travis Hammonick. And that's why, Oh, he's good in the room. He's good in the room. It's like not obviously not screw being good in the room, but we're past <laughs> the point where being good in the room is the first credential for what you should be on this team for. You need to be good at hockey as the first credential. And then obviously being good in the room is a great bonus, but you know, we don't need locker room cheerleaders anymore. This team is better than that. And they should be aiming much higher than that. And that's the problem I keep having when it's like, and and I know this is, you know, fans sometimes just falling in love with a team, which is, you know, fair enough, but it's the same with the past couple of years where it's like, Oh no, like our depth is actually really good. We, We could just, we just need to swap out two defensemen. We're okay. It's like, no, that's not how the team, like the team has, 
80 or not even 60 points. That's not why the issue is, you know, like they need to uh-huh. overhaul their depth. And it's the same with this year. So I don't know. I, I agree with you where I don't really see just given what we've seen from DJ Smith over the past three, four years, I don't really see him switching his philosophy up at which no. point you either got to give him completely new players or you get rid of him or both. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, I think, you know, when everybody talks about DJ Smith, we, we knew he'd be the guy to, to kind of go through the rebuild, but none of us really thought he'd be here when, when the time came to, to make a push. Right. Um, we, we all knew that, you know, some time would come where we'd have to take the next step and that would involve probably taking, getting a new coach and getting these extra players, et cetera, et cetera. And here we are. I mean, we've already acquired some, some pretty talented players. We've drafted up, um, a, a lot of young quality players as well. And here we're at the point where it's time to kind of take that next step. And, you know, based on the issues that I'm seeing, and I think a lot of fans can say the same, um, you, you, you notice that our problems stem from the coaching staff, or at least I, I would assume so. I mean, um, we, we get pumped. Uh, uh, you know, our, our four-check system does not work. The amount of times that they dump in the puck um, and almost, you know, they have no chase. Um, the, just the fact that, you know, I look at teams like New York Rangers and the way that they move the puck and pass the puck, it, it, it's very structured and very fast and very quick. Um, and I feel like that's what's lacking with the sense. I mean, we, any, any team with the players that we have, um, should, or, or would hold our team to higher standards. And I think, you know, um, the players that we have right now sh- should be competing for, for a playoff spot at this current time. And uh, clearly we're not there yet. And I think that's mainly because of DJ. So uh, I just, I think, you know, going into next year, that's got to be your number one priority. I mean, if, if you're not competing for a playoff spot, um, it's a failure and, and it should be, um, that should be the standard next year. And I think, you know, if you don't take the, the, the chance to, to hire a new coach, it's already, I mean, um, I think, I think a lot of fans would be very unpleased with that. So. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's one of those things where, you know, the Sens really aren't too, too far off where I thought they would be at the end of the year. You know, they're on pace for what, just probably around 80 points, give or take. And I kind of figured they'd be in that 79 to 83 range, probably miss out the playoffs on four to five points. And I kind of see them being there. So, you know, on one hand, I don't think the season's a complete failure, especially when you look at all the injuries they've had to deal with. But on the other hand, exactly. Like good teams, and not even great teams, just good teams can't afford to go on multiple losing streaks where they take yeah. one point in seven games or three points in seven games. And that has now happened to the Ottawa centers twice. We're on an L five and they have lost six of their last set or um, yeah, six of their last seven with taking three total points in seven games. That's just unacceptable, yeah. especially after they had, I think it was an L seven at the beginning of the year as well. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, like you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And, and again, some of it is definitely player related, but yeah, at some point, like they just look unmotivated to go play some nights as well, which is DJ Smith's bread and butter, you know, like he's supposed to be the guy to motivate them. And they come out and they just, they let up two goals early in the period. It's like, well, what are we doing here? Like, I, I just don't really understand. So yeah, I, I'm at the point where I would, I would like to see them make a coaching change this off season. Mm-hmm. I, I get DJ Smith's a liked guy or whatever. I, I just, I don't see him taking over the hump. So I, I don't see why you waste another half season. I wouldn't be surprised if they go with him as the coach in the next year, I do think yeah. ownership will, will play a part in that as well. You know, obviously we got the news that it could be a matter of weeks before the Sens are sold. So 
I mean, let's be honest. Would you really be surprised if new ownership came in, maybe gave Pierre Dorian one more year, but said, no, we want to bring our, we want to see a new coaching staff in or something just to give a change with the new ownership. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked to see that, but. No. Why? Well, you know, this, this is my whole point. I think next year you just, you just can't afford to have a wasted season. And that mm. starts from the beginning of the, of the season. I mean, our, our main issue has been, um, has been, has been the slow start. I mean, we, we've seen this for what, three years now where the team has struggled right off the bat. Even, you know, we had a good preseason to begin with as well. You, you, you had the, you know, um, the, the, the everything was was going right for the Sens, and then you know the slow start happens. And again, so I I don't think we can afford to have a a, a bad start to the year next year. And I think that the main thing to fix that would probably bring in a new coach this summer and kind of get the players to buy into the system and um, be ready to go by the start of the year. And I think you know once you do that. Um, you can kind of focus on on reaching the next step, and I, I I get the devil's advocate. I mean, we we brought in you know Giroux and Debrinket, and and chemistry had to be found this year. We lost Norris, and it, and if you ask a lot of fans, you know, are we on track with where we thought we were going to be? I mean, yeah. I mean, we wanted to play meaningful games. So I mean, if you think about it that way, um, DJ has kind of carried us on track for for what we were hoping to be. Um, but still, I mean, next year you, you can't afford to have question marks. And I think, um, if you keep the same coaching staff with the same level of play as as we've seen this year, um, that's certainly an issue. And I think, um, new ownership should feel the pressure from the fans. I mean, we've, we've wanted to, to see playoff hockey. It's been, it's been six years and you, you just can't afford to have that start next year. Yeah, absolutely. And I would almost argue, well, I don't know. I, DJ Smith has done some good things, but I, I would argue part of the results have been in spite of DJ Smith, not yeah. because of him, you know, like just again, his constant willing to like Austin Watson does not need to be in the lineup every single game he's healthy for. Yeah. And again, I get he's loved in the room or whatever, but like there's just when, especially because this team's biggest issue has been five on five scoring. And again, injuries have played a part in that, but you know, like even just, I don't know, like the, they bring Ridley Gregg up and, you know, I thought he looked really good early on in the second line. Then suddenly he gets demoted to the third line. They go, well, why is he not producing? It's like, well, he's playing with like Julian Gauthier, which like no offense to him, but that's a fourth line player. And yeah. you're asking your 21 year old center. He just brought up to, to carry him along, you know, or like Mark Castello, <laughs> like again, like they're, they're fine enough players, but like, it's just, I, I don't really understand the roster management sometimes from DJ's oh, yeah. perspective. And it's not all on him again. Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like a complete DJ hater where, you know, I, I do think I will admit well, the one thing I like about him is he, he at least eventually is willing to accept some of his mistakes where I think, you know, a guy like say Daryl Sutter out in Calgary, he will double, triple, quadruple down on whatever he's doing to prove he is right. Whereas DJ yeah. Smith, you know, it might come five or 10 games too late, but he might be like, oh yeah, no, we should maybe move Ridley Greg back up or, or whatever. And, you know, obviously yeah. in this, this point he got sent down, but, and then, you know, recalled later, but still um, another point I kind of want to talk about, because, and, you know, I don't want this to be a whole negative podcast, but it's kind of hard to take a bunch of positives when you've won one out of seven games. Yeah. So, um, you know, a, another guy who I feel like he's not getting talked about too, too much this year, but it really has been struggling uh, compared to, I think, you know, my expectations for sure. And, and just, you know, but it's kind of flown under the radar and that's Drake Batherson. Um, he, he hasn't been like horrible by any means, but he has looked like, I don't notice him on a lot of nights. And I don't think that's a good thing for Drake Batherson. You know, he's got, he's got 54 points in 69 games. So you look at that on, on the, the, 
the surface and go, oh, that's not too bad. But then at five on five, he's only got six goals. You know, so 14 of his goals come on the power play. And we know he was going to be a weapon on the power play anyways, but you need more than six goals throughout the entire year at five on five from Jake Batherson. And, and you know, I'll, I'll say the same for Alex Dabrinkit too, who's only got nine at five on five this year. Um, you know, but I, I feel like Dabrinkit, unlike Batherson, does take a bunch of heat, you know, for it, where, um, you know, Batherson, he has six goals, 20 points or 20 assists. So 26 points at five on five total this year. Like um, Dabrinkit has uh, 25 points, nine goals, 16 assists at five on five like that's just two guys that you need uh you need more from to be completely honest and i i think you know people are are, well i shouldn't say okay but people are i think swallow the pill a little bit easier with with drake because his contract is is more bearable and when you talk about to i mean by all means it's looking like he'll become the highest paid player on this team right so for for the highest paid guy on this team for what he's doing, he's not even a point per game guy. I mean, it's it's obvious that fans are kind of displeased with that. Um, and I think for Drake, I think it's just yeah, I think his his contract makes it a little easier to swallow, but it shouldn't. I mean, we we've seen Drake take some steps. I mean, last year uh, tra- uh, at, at the All Star break, I mean, before he got injured, he he was looking he was looking like a real threat, probably our best player as well. Uh, and it looked like that injury kind of took a hit on him. Um, so, so I, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm kind of willing to write write it off this year for Drake. Um, again, he's played with probably two players that he doesn't really mesh well with. Um, the year he he played with Norris and and Brady. I mean, those are two players who really are able to elevate him. Um, and and playing with Pinto and Debrinket, I mean, you you would assume. Um, that Drake still has some room to grow, but I guess maybe it just doesn't gel well with with all three of them together. So um, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm willing to see how it goes next year, but um, sort of disappointing as you as you said. And people should be talking about. It. I mean, he he's what minus thirty six or thirty five something like that. So that's you know as much as plus minus is kind of useless. You, you can still talk about it. He's he's been very very bad defensively, and um, you you really need to ask uh, ask more from him. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's just one of those things where, again, like as yeah, and, and I'm not again. Yeah, I I don't uh, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea of, of thinking that I, I think you know his career's done or anything like that. Uh, um, but yeah, he's minus 20 at five on five as well, which, you know, yeah. takes away the empty net goals and stuff like that, that plus minus cat, um, yeah. you know, takes in as well. And, and so, yeah, like that's just not acceptable. You know, you look at around and the, the other guys in the top six, Stutzel is a minus two, uh, Kachuk's a minus four, um, Drew's plus two, um, you know, so <laughs> those are much, much closer to, you know, zero, which you'd kind of expect on a, a team that's, you know, hovering around 500, but then, yeah, you, you, you just, you can't have, you know, a guy who's supposed to be a nine, dynamic playmaker for you, even if he is your fourth most important forward, he can't be minus 20 at five, five, five you know, and, and then to bring it's minus 14 and Pinto, you know, is down there as well. So it kind of just drops off a cliff a little bit there. And, and um, yeah, I think the, the injury definitely, he, he looked like a change player before and after, unfortunately. So here's to hoping that, you know, this summer he could just kind of, and obviously the hockey Canada stuff, I I, like, I'm really curious to see what happens with that investigation. Um, you know, we, we got told at the beginning of the year, all stuff will come out soon. And then it's just kind of gone radio silent. And like Alex Formanton went to the Swiss league and they just kind of, you know, made it clear they're not bringing him back. And, and I I don't know if that means that they feel one is more implicated than the other, or if it was just because one was, signed and more important part of the team than the other. I don't know, but I, I wonder if, you know, 
that whole negotiation, just w- regardless of the outcome of it, it was just, you know, part of something that, that is weighing on him or not. Um, you know, his five on five numbers have been good, fine this year. Like he's at 51% and Corsi four percentage and 50.86 at expected goals percentage at five on five. So it's not like he's like, I think, you know, there's probably a little bit of bad luck uh, coming yeah. in with it as well. Um, just in terms of, yeah, like he's got a real, he's at a 0.953 PDO um, stemming yeah. from an eight, eight, 886 on my save percentage. So that doesn't help right there either, of, of course. But again, like an 886 on my save percentage, Stutzler yeah. and Kachuk have the same thing, basically. And they are much better at the plus minus five on five. So yeah, it's just something to keep an eye on. And I think, you know, it's gone a little under the radar because he is still producing. It's not like we're trying to crucify the guy here or anything. But uh, if they want to take that next step forward, I do think Drake Batherson looking closer to the, what he did the first half of last year versus mm-hmm. anything this year is going to be a crucial part for, for the rest of the year and next year. Of course. And uh, you know, the whole team has struggled uh, as well. I mean, look at the the shooting percentage. Uh, you got a guy like to shooting at like an all time low for him. I think uh, less than 10%. Same thing with Drake. I mean, the, the whole team is kind of struggling to put the puck in the net, which, you know, we know what our guys are capable of. And I think if, if, you know, you, you kind of stabilize that and, and the puck start going in, we're talking about a whole different season this year. Um, so yeah, I, I can understand that those seasons happen. Um, players struggle again, but when it's, it's this many players um, for, for this long, again, it always comes back to the coach for myself. Um, but yeah, I can accept that, you know, th- this happens and, Drake, by all means, has been okay, but there there are still some some things you expect from him um, and, and other players as well. I, I like to hold them accountable. I think we're they're all capable of being, you know, close to point per game players. At least our top six, anyway. Um, that's what you hope for the for our team, um, and, and it just didn't go that way this year. So, um, by all means, next year I'll have some hope uh, going into next year. But the pressure is is higher, so they they they've got to kind of show up and and prove to us that it wasn't just an off year. Right. So, um, a whole, a whole judgment next year. And, but until then, uh, I've been pretty disappointed with this season. Yeah. It's been just a crazy amount of ups and downs, honestly, you know, like it's, uh, the, you go through stretches like this, where it's like, what are we doing as a team? Like, what, what, why am I watching this team? You know, like it, it just feels like there's not even a point to tune in every night, but then, just three weeks ago, we we're like, this team is on fire. They might make the playoffs, you know. So yeah. it, it just—I shouldn't say I was disappointed because uh, I mean, two, three weeks ago, I was pretty pumped about playoffs. So, uh, it's, it's, like you said, it's just a big wave that's kind of tough to 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 keep track of. But yeah, a lot of a lot of emotions this year, for sure. And it all comes back to inconsistency, which again, like, yeah. not to harp on coaching, but inconsistency to me is, is you know a sign of. Uh, either young players getting the, the foothold, which is definitely part of it. But like, this isn't a truly young team anymore. Let's be honest. No. Like no. Brady Kachuk is in what his fourth, fifth season. Tim Stutzel's in his third season. Jake Sanderson, you know, he's in his first season, of course, but like even Drake <laughs> Batherson's in his third, like fifth season pro, um, you know, yeah. like Josh Norris, like, like this is not a young, this is not a bunch of 19 year olds anymore. That's no. for sure. So, you know, you look at that and it's either, okay, well, that's the issue. And, and honestly, again, like other than, you know, Batherson and then uh, the break has been, you know, up and down as well. I'd like to see a little more at five and five, but generally speaking, I haven't had much of an issue with the top six, um, yeah. you know, players. So then again, it comes down to coaching where it's like, how can a team look so good for one period of play, get absolutely demolished for another period and then 
sneak out a, an overtime loss or whatever at the end where, you know, it's like, well, if you just played like even 70% of what you did in that first period, you would probably steamroll to a 4-1 win or whatever. And then you have those stretches in, in the game themselves. And then also over seven game stretches where, yeah, there'll be three teams where it's like, oh, they beat the Rangers and the Kraken, two like really good playoff teams this year that they probably have no business beating. And then they'll just absolutely roll over and get destroyed by the Blackhawks and Canucks. It's just like, I, I just don't get it. Yeah. And I, I mean, going back to your point, I mean, this is no longer a young team. I mean, we're three, we're what, three years removed from the kids are all right. I mean, the kids should be great by now. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just, like you said, we, we've, we've lost too many games against teams that we probably shouldn't have lost against. And I don't think that's a maturity thing. Um, there's, there's a good group, but there's a good leadership group in that, in that locker room. And I think they, they hold each other accountable as they should. Um, and, and if that's the case, I mean, who's left to blame? It's, it's, I don't know. I think the the GM has done everything he probably could have done. Um, maybe he could have done a bit more, but even then, I mean, I think he's equipped this team with all the right pieces um, and it's up to the coach to kind of put them together and, and get the best out of them. And um, clearly we've not seen that. And there are a lot of, of things you can attribute that to, but I, I think at the end of the day, the, the blame has to go to someone and, and it's clear, it's clear to me that it has to be the coach. So that's just where I'm coming from. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And um, yeah, uh, you, you would have hoped to see some change. And at times, I mean, how many times did we see the, the drop pass on the, on the PP break and just completely not work for, for months and months and months until now. It, I mean, it finally works because he put Timmy and, and Drake and Giroux as puck carriers. Um, and, and before, you know, you had guys like Brady and Shabbat carrying the puck and it would always get coughed up at the blue line. I don't know, just amateur work, I think, from from the coaching staff. And um, sometimes it just doesn't work, right? Yeah, for sure. And the power play is actually something I want to touch on, too, because, yeah, like, uh, I, I think that's something that's gotten a nice break recently in terms of it's gotten away from criticism because of how good it was at the beginning of the year. It's been horrible yeah. recently. You know, right. like, like there was a stretch, I think, on that losing streak where they were like, oh, for 17 or something insane yeah. like that. Like, that's yeah, and it's just like something's got to change. You And the most frustrating part about that is they have great players on power play too that they could mix and match with. But it was the same five guys trying the same five crap. No offense. But like, like you know, and, <laughs> and even just on power play too, I, I get you have, you now have three good offensive defensemen in Sanderson, Chitron, and Shabbat. But I don't know, like every piece of data we have seen shows that a two power or a two defenseman, three forward power play is a lot less effective than a four forward one defenseman power play. Oh, yeah. Now maybe with Ottawa is the rare team. You can make an argument. Their eighth forward probably isn't better than their third defenseman. But even then, I don't know. Like when you get like a Rid- like if you call Ridley Greg up to this lineup, I just, I, I'd rather see a four, a four, one for both or go five Oh, and then try a three, two for all I care. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'd much rather, I'm kind of with you where I much rather see just different looks when it comes to stuff like the power play as well. Um, even the penalty kill at times, like I, I've really liked them incorporating Stutzla into the penalty kill. I think he's given them a, a much needed jolt of speed that they lost when, you know, Formanton and Connor Brown went yep. out the door this summer. And, you know, that, that was a big part of their penalty kill. Obviously uh, Matthew Joseph brings some speed too. And he's been hurt for, for unfortunately a lot of this year as well. But um, so I really like bringing Stutzla on it, but it's just like, 
there's sometimes where I watch the penalty kill and it just feels way too stagnant. Like I oh, find yeah. really good penalty kills in the NHL. Don't give you time to breathe, you know, like it's, yep. it, they, they just, they pressure you all the time. So you need to know where you're going with the pass. There's no standing around and, and having three looks on, on, on the pass or whatever. And, and I just find sometimes Otto's penalty kill gets a little too, I don't know if laid back is the right word, but they just kind of, they do their normal little box, you know? And as soon as the puck gets moving, that's when it gets dangerous because, you know, they're going to move the puck. You got your goalie side to side with traffic in front of the net. I just feel like they need to get a little more aggressive. And again, that's a coaching issue. So how many times have we circle back to that? Again, I, I feel bad, but like, it's just, it's simple facts. A good team does not have two seven game losing streaks in a row or in a multiple seasons. And uh, that's, that's what happened this year. So. Yeah, and I think, you know, other questionable calls. I mean, you've got a guy like Giroux who's been the, the number one power play producer since 2011, um, and he's on your second unit. I mean, <laughs> there's just there, – there are some questionable things, and, and these things just keep happening. Things that are so clear, I think, to, to even casual fans. I mean, why is Nikita Zaitsev playing with Shabbat on the first pairing for this this amount of time? I mean, <laughs> these are things that you, we've seen for, for years now. Think, you, you know, solutions to problems that, that probably should have been dealt with uh, a long time ago. So, I don't know. The power play did struggle. Um, and like you said, I, I don't really get the whole two defensemen thing. Um, and even then, if you're going to do that, I mean, you got a guy like Eric Branstrom who, you know, historically through the years playing with us has been one of our best um, power play uh, uh, quarterbacks. I mean, he he's even been better than, than Shabbat at times on, on the power play. So I don't know if he feels like D, I, don't, I don't know if DJ feels like he owes Shabbat that position. I mean, um, he's been there for, for a while. He's been the, the power play guy um, and I get keeping him there. But when you've got a guy like, you know, um, um, Brandstrom and even Chikrin now, who's got a laser of a shot. I mean, you've got to try to switch things up, especially if they're not working. And I think that's that's the main issue with with DJ. He's just struggled to kind of make those those adjustments when needed. And um, even our our depth has been struggling because of it. Um, you know, rarely trying to f- to fix the bottom six, and um, that's clearly been an, another issue of ours. So. I think it just speaks to to kind of his level of of coaching and and maybe experience as well. Um, maybe not willing to take the hard decisions as much as he should. Um, but uh, yeah, I just yeah, I, I blame a lot of it on him, and maybe that's my scapegoat. But I think I I've got enough reason to to kind of doubt him by now. Mm-hmm. One other guy who has been taking a lot of heat uh, definitely in the past couple of weeks is I've noticed is uh, Thomas Shabbat. And uh, I want to get your thoughts on, on his play recently, you know, as the, um, I, I don't know the right word, you know, it hasn't been hate online necessarily, but definitely criticism. I think from even a good passionate part of the fan base that defended him uh, for, for a long time has been kind of on his case recently about how he's played over the past, you know, little while. And I was just interested, you know, get your thoughts. Do you, do you, do you see the same thing? Do you see him struggling out there? Um, you know, where are you at with Thomas Shabbat this year and especially over the past month or two? So I, I, I kind of I'm kind of on the fence. You know, I, I love Shabbat. I mean, he's been the guy for, for so long. I mean, he he's the guy we started the rebuild with. We've seen him play at, at high levels. We know what he's capable of. I mean, he by all means, he's he's a very elite defenseman. Um, to some fans, you you can you know you can pencil him on the Team Canada roster. He's that good. So 
I love him. I, I think, you know, he's exactly, you know, what we'd hope for after losing a guy like Carlson. And he's, he's done exactly that when, when um, coming here. So I, I don't know. I, I love Shabbat and I can see why people think that this season has been a bit off and, and maybe it has. I mean, he, he struggled at times. I think, you know, just, just puck handling a lot of times on the power play. He, he's not choosing to shoot the puck. He's, he's oftentimes looking for the passing lane. Um, like you said earlier, he can be he can be kind of stagnant as well. He's kind of one of those guys who who just stands there and um, hopes for the best. And a clear ind- indication of of low effort would be um, against against the Oilers and and McDavid just stealing the puck from him and and making a fool out of him. Uh, these are just things I think a lot of fans have noticed from Shabbat. His his effort level has been sort of low. Um, and maybe, you know, there's reasons for that. I mean, poor seasons happen to a ton of players all the time. Um, but I, I definitely do see that that he has struggled. But the games that, you know, he does show up, he, he's one of our best players. So I don't know. Maybe it's a consistency problem. Um, and at eight million, you, you kind of hope for 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 more, and we know what he's capable of. So it's 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 tough to see him struggle at times because you know at the end of the day, he's supposed to be one of our most important players. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I think people should should just tone it down a bit because um, because again, it's Shabbat and he's he's meant a lot for us. And I think I think he's he's capable of taking another another step. And I would wait. I would wait to see that. I mean, the guy has great analytics at the end of the day, so he's, he's doing something right. Um, and again, we'll just see, we'll just see how it goes um, next year. Yeah. I'm really glad you brought up the analytics. Cause that is what I was just about to dive into with why I'm so torn about this. So on one hand, I, I have multiple thoughts here where on one hand, I do absolutely acknowledge that there's been it feels like more than normal plays this year where it's like oh yeah. Shabbat what are you doing man whether it's defending oh, a yeah. two-on-one the puck as you said bouncing over a stick he's just not getting back properly like those plays are happening I'm not not going to deny that at all I I don't know if they're happening more this year than last or if we just care more this year because they actually yeah. mean more whereas you know in years past that play happens you know, oh that's just bad luck but whatever we're now losing three, one to the Tampa Bay lightning. And we don't want these two points anyways. Right. Um, But yeah, when it comes to analytics, he's 16th among all defensemen in the league in goals above replacement still. Oh yeah. And like, and he started real hot. So he's definitely cooled off as the year went on. But if you go to natural stat tricks since February 1st on this blue line, uh, he currently ranks second among all defensemen in Corsi four for the Ottawa centers. The only one ahead of him at 54% is Jacob Chitrick. Hmm. So 53.68% Corsi 4 percentage. Uh, he ranks first among all sense defensemen since February 1st in expected goals 4 percentage at 55%. Branstrom's at about 53.5% and then Chitron's at 50 Um, Like every metric basically you look at, he is still near the top of Ottawa's center's defensemen. Um, you know, and, and that includes uh, – or sorry, and, and it's not even like he's getting loaded up with offensive zone starts. You know, he ranks yeah. fifth among nine defensemen offensive zone starts, you know. So he's getting wow. his fair share or whatever. And it's not, you know, like Nikita Zaitsev still is part of this data sample. He had 22%. Like, he obviously only got used in the defensive end, which don't even get me started on that. Yeah. But, but you know, my, my point is he's not being sheltered or anything like that. So oh. I, I do feel like the heat is probably a little bit too much in terms of the criticism to him. And I think the other part of that is 
And I've always thought this, which is why I thought Shabbat was underrated until even this past year where he did start getting some Team Canada hype and love and stuff like that. But <laughs> a lot of the stuff Thomas Shabbat does is very quiet and you don't notice it unless you're like going out of your way to look for it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I think, you know, probably he's not the most flashy player, right? Um, and I think maybe that's that's maybe what it is because we've got a lot more skill on our team now um and i think you know it's easy to notice the small things that sanderson does as well um and we probably don't look for that in shabbat because we're so used to to his you play right? it almost right like yeah yeah that's fair yeah and and so and again like I, i'm not trying to completely let him off the hook because there have been some egregious ones but yeah even like pretty i and i oh let me, let me see i think i closed it now but uh oh no here we go goals for and against as well um like again since february 1st he's plus one in goals for and against at five on five you know so like they're still scoring he's the only defenseman they have scored more with while he's on the ice than off other than branchdom is 10 goals for eight against and hamnick is dead even so like it's just one of those things where yeah like he, he definitely has some stuff he can clean up or whatever but at some point, I also think this is kind of who he is in terms of like, he's going to do a lot of little things well, where he's going to break the puck out extremely well. You know, he's a, a great skater. He's going to get back in position a lot of times, um, you know, even sometimes if it doesn't show, there's six other times where you, do, you don't actually notice it, but it happens. Um, but there's also going to be times where he just like makes a bad play on the blue line or whatever and gets absolutely caught on a pinch or something like that. And, you know, if he can clean that up, which would be awesome to me, I've seen people say he needs to clean it up to become an $8 million defenseman. I disagree with that. If he cleans up the big mistakes that he has right now and keeps doing all the little stuff, right. I think that puts him in the era of like top 10 defensemen in the league, which, which it's insane to think about, you know, and like would be an awesome thing. I just, Part of me kind of wonders, I don't know if I should, I think it's almost unfair to Thomas Shabbat to expect that, you know? I think, okay, I, 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 yeah, that's a fair point. I, I think over time when we drafted him and how he's developed over time, I think, you know, Sense fan had this idea that, okay, eventually like Shabbat, like his potential, his, 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 his potential is really to become a top 10 defenseman. I think we've seen it, you know, he's, he's been that, that guy before. So I think it's not, it's not a stretch for for fans to kind of expect that from him there's been years where he's been a top five guy there's been others where he's been a top 10 um and i think you know over time as as you hope to see players progress and um reach their potential um you you just hope to see that from a guy like shabbat and again the team has gotten better over time and uh you just want to see the that projection keep you know, I just want to. You just want to see him keep improving, and probably this year he's he's kind of just been, you know, the, the 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 same guy we've seen for for the past couple of years, and he's not really taking an extra step as much as he probably should have. Um, and that's you know that's fair. I think it's kind of selfish for fans to to assume that he can get better. Maybe you know, <laughs> maybe playing with Zaitsev and playing the amount of minutes he, he's played um, in the in the past two, three years has kind of slowed down his, his, uh, uh, his trajectory. But, um, if he, if this is what he is and, and that's, that's what we're going to get, I'm pretty happy. I mean, this is what you can ask for, for, for a guy, um, who's been here for a while. I think, you know, um, Shabbat is terrific and, and we should kind of, 
we should kind of be more mindful of uh, of what he actually does uh, and what he brings to this team because he he's he's been a guy we've leaned on for for many years and um, we just gotta rem- remember that instead. Yeah, like I, I think he is a fifteen to twenty five ish defenseman in the league right now, which makes him yeah. a legitimate number one. And yeah. and so this is this is what I like to call the Carlson effect. Honestly, I, I think it kind of shows slash reminds us how spoiled we were with Eric Carlson. That um, one of the reasons I made Eric Carlson so elite was his ability to be the best guy every single damn year, and he just kept getting better. For most guys, development is not a linear progression. You know, like you might have a great year, sophomore slump, then you might, you know, find figure it out something out again, another adjustment year three or year four or whatever, right? Whereas, you know, with with Thomas Shabbat, like I feel like fans just naturally expected him to take that path all the way up to being a constant top five, top ten guy. When in reality, even the best defensemen are not top ten guys every single year. It's just like, obviously, you got your Victor Hedman's, your Kale McCars, who, you know, they're going to be top three every single year. Adam Fox is another one in there. But the guys that you get, I find closer to even seven to 10 with defensemen. I've done defenseman rankings for enough, uh, a couple of years now where um, me and my my other co-host uh, on my other podcast, we we rank the top 20 defensemen every offseason. And what yeah. I really find with as soon as you get after like the big five, you know, the there's a, an elite five or six, right? And as soon as you get after that, the guys who are in seven to 10 are either a, who had the hottest year this year or B yeah. when you, when you get to 11 to 15 is almost who's just been like the 18th best defenseman for four years running now. Cause that is just as impressive as a skill as, you know, being the sixth best defenseman one year and the 29th best defenseman another year, which just happens to a lot of players in this league. And, you know, cause there's yep. so much. Skill. So yeah, if Thomas Shabbat can constantly be the 20th best defenseman in the league, yeah. Again, there's going to be some nights where I feel like people are disappointed, but that is an extremely valuable thing to have. And especially with Jake Sanderson looking as good as he is early. Um, and, and, you know, having Jacob Chitron and Zub on this decor as well, where Shabbat for the first time in his career doesn't have to be the only thing on the defense core. I, I'm still really excited for, you know, what, what he looks like going forward in the future of this decor. Oh, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, those guys, I mean, generally, uh, how, how much do they get paid, right? Like those those top 15 defensemen, they, they get paid a good chunk. And we've got him, you know, at $8 million, which I think is fair. Um, but the Athletic, I think, has his market value as like 10, 10 to $11 million. So mm-hmm. for what he brings and what he is, I think fans should kind of just accept it and be happy. I mean, he, he does a lot of good things at the end of the day. And um, having a guy on your team the, like Shabbat, I mean, instantly makes you a better team generally. So, um, yeah, I, he's, he's a very important piece, I think. And, um, he's just, just probably less, less standout ish because of the other players that we have now. Um, and that's a good thing. We just have to be grateful about that instead of being so, so nitpicky all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And like, again, like I'm not trying to say, um, you know, like I think it is fair to to criticize when you know he makes the the big mistakes yeah. or whatever. Like it's a, no one's above criticism on this team or anything yeah. like that. But yeah, it's just I think it's more about like I've seen referendums on on him on Twitter recently. About, oh yeah, like, this is unacceptable how he's playing. It's like well, guys, like I just think sometimes you know you're gonna go through these stretches and you got to remember it's probably his eight eighty five save percentage that's making him look worse than, you know, him actually doing anything different than what he's been doing for the past couple of years. Right. So yeah, um, yeah, it's just, that that's exactly where I am too. And yeah, I just pulled up his salary. Like he is 17th or tied for 14th with three other guys. So anywhere from 14 to 17th for, um, 
biggest defenseman salary in the league, which right. I feels about right, you know, like, yep. so uh, yeah, I, I, I just, uh, that, that was something I want to touch on. And again, like, I definitely think it's fair to say he's got to try and cut a couple of the mistakes out, but if he can't do that, and again, keep being the, the offensive play driver we've seen him be, and just the, the transition machine we know he is like that step into like top 10 player or top 10 defenseman, sorry, would be there, which is just, Absurd to think about, you know, for, for any player, you know, I, I feel like it uh, doesn't get stated enough just because how lucky we were with Carlson, how rare those players come around. So definitely just something you want to appreciate while it happens, but um, for um, sure. Yeah. I, I don't have much more on that. Uh, I think it's fair to say this season kind of feels not like a lost cause at this point, but playoffs definitely are out of like, they're going to have to go on one hell of a bender to even get back into the race now, which <laughs> hey, is it's only, it's only a lost cause if we don't win first overall. All right. It, just, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a little disappointing, but they, they still live. I'm, I'm curious to see what this team does over the next couple of games, you know, quickly before we get out of here, like, because I think there are still a bunch of really good measuring stick games in terms of like, they, you know, the teams playing them might not take them seriously but they can at least go prove something still where they can work themselves back into the playoff hunt at least where they got pittsburgh boston tampa new jersey uh the florida panthers that is a murderer's row of teams coming up and then you get the flyers the leafs the blue jackets so you have one hard team out of three but then the hurricanes panthers lightning hurricanes sabers to end it off so like there's only two quote-unquote easy games in their last uh, 13 or so I'm I'm curious to see how this team reacts because, you know, obviously it, it's one of those things where, again, like I, I don't, they're not making a playoff push in terms of a legit one anymore, but I'd still like to see this team battle and steal some points from, from other teams that are in a legitimate playoff race. That would be nice to see. Oh yeah. And I, I, I mean, we, you can't lose more than, than we have. I mean, maybe, maybe that's possible, but I don't think this team will, will accept that, that level of play. So I, I would expect some, some steals here coming in with the, the next few games. I mean, we've played good against Boston previously. Maybe um, a win against them kind of sets us back on track. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just want to see them kind of just end the season strong and, and, you know, kind of what we've seen maybe the last couple of years. I mean, they've, they've ended strong for, for um, a few years now. So if they're able to do that next year, um, this year and, and head into next year on a, on a good note, I think that would be, um, that would be a win. And I think we're, we're on track. I mean, we wanted to play meaningful games. We did sort of probably not as long as we would have hoped for, but we made it to March and, and that, that was big. So um, yeah, I just want to see a, a very good end to the year, I guess. Yeah, I completely agree. And Hey, like even if they win the next two or three games, you know, that at least puts them back in the, the spot of, they're probably not making it, but these games still at least mean something, you know, like you win, yeah. if you, you can manage to get, say, and again, it's a high ask, but that's the point they put themselves at, but you get five of your next six points and two of those come against Pittsburgh. Um, that means you are now at 76 points and Pittsburgh's probably sitting at, I don't know, let's say 80, let's say they win one of their next yeah. three. Well, now you're four points behind the playoffs. Even if you don't make it, those games at least mean something. So I, I definitely agree where right? it just, it, like, I just, I want to see them, play good hockey meaningful hockey down the stretch here um you know it kind of feels like they've taken themselves out of competition but you know it doesn't mean the season needs to be fully over just yet so that's at least exciting. we are we are over we are over 500 too so i mean that's that's a positive as much as 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 it is you know um we kind of mm-hmm. we wanted that wanted to be a 500 team this year and we are currently sitting at that maybe the goal differential isn't as 
good as we would have hoped with the talent that we have. But overall, I mean, you look at our stats, it's it's exactly what we would we'd expect this year. Um, and again, that's that's with injuries um, pretty consistently this year. So um, next year, I, I think the the hope is to to really make a push. And I think fans are that's that's a valid opinion to have. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a it's a valid thing and uh, something we we all know this team is capable of so yeah yeah, pressure pressure is on next year i think i think and this is a tough goal but you know one that i'd almost be i kind of want to see is see them get to real 500 this year you know because they are 33 31 and 5 but you know so that means they've lost 36 times you know if they can get to 42 wins and then however the the regular and ot losses split up i i again like that would be a successful season that'd be a really really good stretch to end the year that'd be nine wins in their last 13 games again very difficult yeah. to do, but um, like that's just something I would love to see them try and rattle off as yeah, a goal for themselves, even if they don't make playoffs. So you can say, Hey, we hit real 500 for the first time in yeah. what six years, probably, right? So, um, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think there's still lots to play for and, and lots to watch if you're a Sens fan, which is exciting. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for joining me today. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Uh, plug some stuff. Where can people find you and, and anything you want to plug? You can find me on Twitter at Dumoulin underscore Nick. I, uh, to be honest with you, I, 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 I mostly, you know, post jokes and, and memes online. So I like to think I'm pretty funny. So please follow me for, for that. And uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I'll see you online. And thank you, Alex, again, for, for having me. It's very nice uh, to, to, to speak with you. And uh, yeah, love, love, love having discussions with you online as well. So. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'll have to have you on uh, down the road as I'm sure this team, uh, there's no lack of uh, content to talk about when it comes to this team right now, which is, which is a really good feeling, you know, so I'll definitely have to have you on down the line again. Huge thanks to Nick for joining me. I uh, hope you guys all enjoyed that episode. As always, you can find the podcast at Last Word on Sends on Twitter, as well as myself at NHL Sends and stuff on Twitter. Uh, big couple weeks here for the Senators. Uh, I don't know if I'll have another episode before the end of the season. Might uh, It'll depend what happens probably uh, in the last 12 games or so here, but uh, definitely we'll have a recap at the end of the season regardless of what happens. And, hey, here's to hoping that I will have a bunch to talk about because they go on a big run and make the playoffs here. So uh, who knows? We'll, we'll see where things go, but I, I hope everyone's enjoyed the season as much as I have. Um, you know, I've really enjoyed putting content out every couple of weeks here, and, and I definitely plan to keep doing that during the summer as well. Um, so yeah, you can find all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. We put out daily content, which uh, I think everyone will really enjoys. So thank you everyone so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all next episode.